It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your voracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on X at Charles Chill FFB. Of course, everything at Destination Devi at patreon.com backslash all gas. Join the Discord, the Heisman tier, or the Trades in Five tier. If you join that in the Discord, you get access to bonus content, video, and audio during the week exclusively in the discord and you can also sign up at destinationdevi.com or you can sign up for the destination five tier which gives you access to all of the same stuff we are looking forward to the senior bowl i am at the senior bowl in mobile today and we'll be looking forward to a new experience for me kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone getting to interact with football people and less about how I've viewed the game for the last five years in the content creation space. So who knows what will be coming this week, but looking forward to this experience, but not forgetting about the fact that there is still roster construction to talk about. Uh, More will be coming from war games. Stay tuned on that. Uh, We took a brief pause to try to figure out exactly how we want to present and structure War games. So it will be back. I promise there will be an announcement as to what the schedule will look like, but don't worry. It will be back. Destination Chill will be back, even though it's on a little hiatus for the time when we are in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. But this episode, let's get right to it. We are talking best ball roster construction. If you have not tuned into the first two shows, I talked about tight ends, I talked about running backs. We are using a format which you can pull up in the war tool. If you search my username, Charles Chill FFB, pull up the roster construction series league. And that should guide you through exactly what I am looking at to do this series. So if you pull that up, you can pull up the war table. You can look at the three-year average. You can look at the my league analytics. Nothing else is going to populate because there are no teams. It is just a shell league that I created. 12 teams, start 11, sleeper standard scoring, so four points per passing touchdown, negative one for interceptions. I did bump it to three receivers, 30-man rosters, and 1.75 tight end premium. So that is the base format that we are covering in this roster construction series. 
in the first two episodes, I talked about quarterback or I talked about tight end and running back. And today we are going to cover quarterback. And for those that follow, they want to know the exact numbers. Tight end episode, I settled on five. Go back and listen to that as to how I got to that number. Running back episode, I settled on the number seven. So right there, if we're going to optimally roster five tight ends and seven running backs, we now have 18 roster spots to play with to encompass the quarterback and the wide receiver position. So we are talking quarterback today. I'm going to save wide receiver for last because I think it is the most interesting. But for quarterbacks, where I want to start is this. I want to look at the three-year average war. Uh, but before we do that, if you pull up the league, you can go and look at the My League Analytics. And what this does is this tells you And it will tell you, when you look at this tab, it will essentially tell you, is there ever a time where it is not optimal to have a quarterback in your super flex spot? And most of the time, people are just going to think, you know, super flex spot equals quarterback. And I would say in 99.9% .9 of leagues, that is true. With how the points are distributed, with how the landscape is at QB, with how the fantasy scoring is in most leagues, this is going to be true. And you'll see here, if you look at the My League Analytics under this roster construction series league, you will see optimal QBs in the Superflex spot 11.9. What that means is on average on a weekly basis, 11.9 out of 12 quarterbacks are filling Superflex spots. So translating that across an entire season, you're talking about maybe once or twice during the entire year was it optimal to have a non-quarterback in the Superflex. And that's just essentially using like best ball scoring for week, which is exactly what we're talking about with this roster construction series, best ball roster construction. Let's just lead to the conclusion you always want to have a quarterback in your Superflex spot, at least the scoring for this in almost every league you're talking about. A league where it wouldn't be the case would be it's some weird scoring, you know, three point per passing touchdown, negative two for interceptions, something where the QB scoring is depressed. When you start getting into those super flex numbers, there's going to be other players that hit it before the quarterbacks that are in that range. But for all intents and purposes, quarterbacks belong in the super flex. So when you look at the three-year average, here's how I start to go through and interpret those numbers. I've already looked at the mining analytics, and I can see that the quarterback, just on a sheer points per game perspective, is the highest scoring position when you're talking replacement value. So right there, that tells you are the quarterbacks, relatively speaking to the other positions, just as contributory to your overall scoring? And the answer is yes, which is why that quarterback's in a super flex spot is going to be so high. So right there, even when you look at the war and you see that the war is a little bit lower, and this is something that we still have to kind of work through, uh, and it's one of the things that Ray and I are working on with going through war games is, you pull up this league and you go, okay, the quarterback scoring is a little bit lower than the wide receiver scoring. Now, it's true because the quarterback scoring here is not juiced up. It's four minus one. It's pretty standard. So it's not a league where it's six minus one and there's yardage bonuses and all that. So generally speaking, the quarterback scoring is a little depressed relative to the other positions. But when you look at the war chart, what you notice is you want to pay attention to the line. So if you want to tab over to even the war chart by position 
or the three-year average. You can just track the red line, which is the QBs. And you'll go through and you'll start to see where it dips and it flattens off. And then it dips again. Then you'll start to see a point where it starts to dip close to the zero line. So what does this tell me? What does this tell me about my roster construction? Ultimately, I have to figure out how I want to roster construct. And one of the flaws of using war is we get caught up in this dynamic. And, and to be fair, it applies to best ball the most because every week you are striving to get as many players that could hit your lineup as possible. In a lineup league, when I went through the lineup league roster construction, generally, the only players that matter for the most part are the players that could enter my lineup. But in a start 11, 30-man roster in a lineup league, not every one of my roster spots on my team is designed to hit my lineup every week. That's why you carry so many backup QBs and so many backup running backs. You're almost just using those spots as a storage unit until you may need to use them in your lineup at a later time. In best ball, that's gone. Everyone understands that in best ball. But what that translates to when you're looking at the war is on a week-to-week -week basis, you want to roster construct very similar to what this graph looks like. So if you pull up the three-year average war for this league, you'll see the graph. You'll see the blue line that stays ahead of every other position across the board from the very top all the way out until the graph ends. Then you'll see the other positions. You'll see the quarterbacks and the running backs kind of pace themselves right around QB 15. Then it breaks off. Then you start to see it dip at quarterback. You see the tight ends well below the other positions. But really what this is, this is a snapshot in bus ball of how you want your roster to kind of be set up on a week-to-week -week basis. So if we're talking optimal roster construction, it's most important at quarterback, especially because again, there's only 24 that can enter your lineup. It's important that you kind of look at this from a season long perspective as to like, where do I draft the locked in starting QBs? How do I navigate that part? But also what do I want to be doing on a week to week basis? Because quarterbacks and running backs to an extent, which I talked about a little bit on the last episode, but quarterbacks, most importantly in a super flex best ball, are the position you probably want to turn and burn the most. Meaning, going into the summer, games are three or four months away. It's June 1st. What is optimal roster construction? For that date, optimal roster construction probably looks something like, hey, I want to have five quarterbacks somewhere in that range where I think on a weekly basis those five QBs could hit at that quarterback 18 or higher, quarterback 20 or higher. Every given week, I want to have quarterbacks that can fire in that range where the red is above zero. Now, I can only start two, but I want to construct in a way where I have those options. Now, what does that look like from an optimal construction standpoint? It's very similar to running back. If you go back and listen to the running back episodes or the running back episode, it's the same concept. Going into the offseason, I do not need five QBs. I don't need five QBs that are guaranteed starters, right? Just like I don't need seven running backs that are inside the top 40 or so. And I refer to that. We did the best ball roster construction series last year and talked about that. And we were pretty much like myself and then Mike and Adam, who hosted 4D chess at the time, 
basically said, we're looking for like seven or eight running backs inside the top 40, top 50. But from an optimal roster construction and what you actually could build if you were doing a startup, it, it's not reality. It's probably not reality to go, I'm going to be able to optimally build for the quarterback construction that I want. Hey, I want five quarterbacks inside the top 20. Five quarterbacks inside the top 24. Well, sure, that sounds great. Until then you go, well, I want four running backs inside the top 24. I need this many receivers in this range. I want to get five tight ends, and I have to find a way to get five top 24 quarterbacks. So this quarterback construction is going to look very similar to the running backs. And the recommendation at running back was, sure, the number is seven. But I can go into the offseason if I can lock in four I'm willing to use those other three spots, the seven number, as kind of like floating spots that I need to turn over week to week when I get into the season or when an opportunity presents itself for me to get another running back that I think has somewhat of a stable role, I can fill that spot later. And it's the same at quarterback. So let's go through it. So you look at the war, you can pretty much see where the quarterbacks are a big advantage. and then you know, QB five to 13, 14, maybe a little bit higher than that gives you uh, another level of an advantage above the players that are below that. So you get down to QB 14 and below dips right around 22, 23. There's basically three tiers. If you look at this line, where do the tiers slope and then flatten off? There's three tiers. So how do I want to play it? Well, the first thing is I do not need five starters. I'm going to use the number five as my optimal number, but I'm going to deconstruct and talk about how I get there. It's very similar to the running backs. I used seven as the number, but how do I get there? And it's not just, well, I need five quarterbacks inside the top 24. So in a startup, I'm just going to draft five quarterbacks. And when they're gone, I've lost out on the opportunity to get those five quarterbacks. No, that's not how it works. The way you look at this is you look at the war graph and you go, well, once you get to QB 14, 15 and below, but especially when you see QB 17 and below where it really starts to tail down, what that's saying is that's where relative to each other in a given week, things start to flatten off. But that doesn't mean I need five quarterbacks above that range going into the season. So what I'm going to recommend is you take that number five and you probably aim in the startup, I probably want to get three QBs. I probably want to get a first or second tier quarterback. And then I want to get two more QBs somewhere in that range of QB 12 to 24. And go into the season with, hey, I have quarterback seven, and I have two more QBs, QB 15 and QB 20. And I have three. That gives me a little flexibility on two spots that potentially need to be full with a quarterback. I have three. Now, well, how does that hit the five number that you talked about? Now, sure, if you can find a deal where you end up getting a fourth quarterback and they happen to end up being a top 25, top 30 starter, and you can project them going, yeah, this guy's going to be a starter full time. That's a bonus. But I'm not chasing that necessarily in the startup. What I am doing is looking at it from a week-to-week -week basis, going, what I want to do is when week one gets here, I probably want to be close to that five range. And this especially applies when you start to hit bye weeks and you start to hit injuries. It gets a little more difficult. But it's the same theory at running back. 
I don't need the seven number right off the rip. I can probably go, you know what? I'm willing to go with three quarterbacks, four or five running backs. I don't need to have running back five, six, and seven. I don't need quarterback four and five. Hell, you might have even quarterback three. I don't need it at the beginning of the offseason. It's optimal to have it, but if you're doing a brand new league or you're doing a league where it requires that you trade and you're right in the midst of the offseason where there's a lot of value volatility across the player pool, you don't need to be there right now. So what I want to highlight here is the optimal is probably five quarterbacks, constantly having a blend of five QBs, whatever you want that to look like. It can be two top eight QBs and then three replacement level guys. It could be one elite QB, two average quarterbacks that are guaranteed starters, you know, say a Jared Goff, uh, Derek Carr. But I also want to have two more quarterbacks that are week-to-week starters. Now, given the nature of the quarterback position, how it is a week-to-week game during the NFL season, here's the benefit and the beauty of quarterbacks and running backs in best ball. Let's say you're in week two and... There's some backup QBs that are on rosters, but they're not starting that week. It's not optimal for a team to carry those guys. It's not optimal for a team to have Sam Darnold, Jacoby Brissett, Jake Browning. Now, to be fair, those guys are some of the best replacement backup QBs. But you don't want them until they're going to be starting. But when they are starting, they go from They're an average zero every week to, well, hey, that guy projects to be QB 17 on the week. Wow, I want to have him in best ball. And it's the same with running back. Backup running back goes to starter. All of a sudden, they're within that top 36, top 30 threshold that week. The next week, the starter comes back. That running back is back down to a point where maybe they're a zero. And that's where best ball optimal construction really is difficult to navigate when the points are not being scored. Because when the points are not being scored, in these ranges, with your fourth and fifth QB, with your fifth, your sixth, your seventh running back, you're basically looking at those spots as they are flexible spots. They are fungible spots that I know those are going to be the places where I have to turn over the most during the season. And I released the episode, which I'll link in the show notes, Five things I learned from best ball. My second year of doing best ball portfolio was this past year. And I talked about five things that I learned. And this is one of them. Fab value is another one. How do you get access to Jake Browning when he becomes the starter because of a burrow injury? Fab. Because there's a very good chance in best ball that guys like that are not rostered. If you are playing with other sharp best ball managers, they are not going to carry five backup quarterbacks. They are not going to carry four running backs that are just on a 53, but they're getting two snaps a week. Those guys are going to be on waivers. So if you think about the opportunities to get essentially free placeholders at these spots where you want to have them, quarterback and running back, there's going to be a lot more opportunities in best ball to find those guys. There's some opportunity at tight end and at receiver, but when we talk through the receiver roster construction, especially you'll see why it's probably not going to be as many opportunities as you think. So it's important to look at the QBs, and this is actually one of the shorter episodes because I think it's very straightforward. It isn't that you need to hoard QB. 
Now, if you want to try that, fine. But I generally think if you're in a startup draft, it is very hard to hit the optimal, let's say, five QBs just using your startup picks. Sure, you can probably do it. But then you look at all your other positions and you go, well, I don't have enough of those running backs in that tier. I don't probably have enough tight ends in places where I know they're going to be scoring points. So you're going to fall short somewhere. So it's very hard, just the nature of the quarterback position in a startup to get that five starters right away. But what the war tells you is I don't need to pay for quarterback 18 and below. But week to week, now in lineup, I already know I don't need to pay for those guys. And I'll just roster all the backups because if I have 10 backup quarterbacks in lineup, in a 12-team start, 11, 30-man roster, I have 10 backup quarterbacks on my roster. Who cares? They cost me nothing. It's just a storage unit for players that I could use down the road. Best ball, you can't hoard those 10 backup QBs. In fact, you want everybody else to hoard backup QBs because it makes the potential for more players to hit your lineup relative to the rest of the league higher. But you want to lean into the fact that because of that rule, there's going to be more quarterbacks that come available. If you've ever played in a best ball league that's competitive with people that underhand and stand how to roster construct every week, oh, that guy might start this week. I need to put in a waiver claim for him. And all of a sudden, you look up a weak QB room in best ball to start the year could have seven starters by week 10. Now, they're gross. They're Ryan Tannehill. They're Joe Flacco. They're Nick Mullins. But you look up and you go, man, I got seven starters. It's a great problem to have in best ball where you have seven QBs that can hit your lineup. Now, seven is overkill. Seven is overkill. When I have five QBs, I had teams this past year that had Jake Browning, Joe Flacco, Easton Stick, Nick Mullins, Bailey Zappi. Look up at my roster. I have eight of those guys. I have eight quarterbacks. You know, I might have Kyler Murray. I might have Jalen Hurts. And then I have six of those QBs. That's too many. I don't need eight. The odds that those eight are going to maximize and I'm going to get the two best QBs out of that, probably unlikely. What I'm probably going to get is a bunch of guys that fall in that range where it's the dead zone, which is nice to have if you don't have them, but it's not good to have when you have six of them because four of them are probably putting up close to enough points to hit your lineup, but because there's no room for them to hit your lineup, they don't. So you end up just wasting the spot. That's why five is the optimal number. But you have to look at it more on a week-to-week basis. You don't go into the year going, well, I need five QBs, but I'll just hold two backups, and that'll count as my five. No, you want that to be every given week. You want to have five live darts in your lineup to potentially hit your lineup. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from the quarterback position and the running back position is you go into the offseason, you can look at your roster construction, but you can look at those two positions especially and say, who's locked in? And do I have enough of those guys that are locked in for me to say the rest of the opportunity to get those players that fill out the last couple spots at my running back position and the last couple quarterbacks on my team, those can happen down the road. Those can happen on a week-to-week basis. So that's the quarterback roster construction in a nutshell. It's almost the opposite of what you would do in a lineup league. In a lineup league, you would just roster all the backups with the goal being, hey, they cost nothing. And as soon as they are starting for a week, I can then try to flip them just because they're one of those 24 starters, right? But there's no penalty to holding them on your team. 
Same with running backs. Any running back on a 53, any quarterback on a two deep. There's a reason those hashtags and that mantra exists in lineup. There's no penalty to carry in all those extra running backs and quarterbacks. And the ability to do that is basically determinant on you have your tight ends and your receivers locked in. Don't waste spots at those positions. Best ball, it's not true. Best ball, you're not looking to carry those weekly zeros, and you're going to get a lot of weekly zeros from running backs and quarterbacks. So as you see more people understanding how to roster construct in best ball dynasty leagues, you actually should be able to benefit by proper roster construction more because it means there will be more running backs available to pick up. There will be more backup quarterbacks available to pick up, or at least there will be some available to pick up when they're getting a spot start. So be fluid. If I'm doing a startup, if I'm building a team right now, I'm looking at, do I have my core quarterbacks? Do I have two elite ones? Do I have one elite one and a couple ones with steady jobs? Then I'm okay. If I have a fourth, great. If I already just have one that's been sitting around and I lucked into a starter, great. But I don't need to go, man, I need five quarterbacks. Five's the optimal. I only have three. Okay, well, two of those can just be week-to-week propositions. And it goes back to the same argument with running backs. There's going to be times where I'm going to want to play the week-to-week game, which means I need assets. So if you haven't played in bus ball and you're interested in it, you can see with the last two episodes why it's valuable to have those throwaway picks, why it's valuable to have a third. I want to be able to use those to spend money when I want to spend. I want to be able to buy a one-week Nick Mullins for a third. Do I want to spend it? No, but if I have to, I want to have those types of assets available to do it. Because the more times going into every week in best ball where I can say my optimal roster construction is hit for that week, for what the players are projected to do that week, that's what's keeping me ahead of everybody else. Meanwhile, I look at other teams in best ball, 30-man rosters, 32-man rosters, and no joke, you look at their lineup on the day of the game, Aside from a couple players that are injured, a couple players on a bye week, there should be no other zeros. That's something we'll talk about in the wide receiver episode uh, that I think is very important. The bar of what it takes to get cut in a best ball league is a lot lower than what people think. And it's especially true at running back or quarterback. Those guys are only as good as their weekly projected role. That's it. So when you think about that, it's very easy to see the construction of five quarterbacks, but understanding that it doesn't have to be five at all times. It's basically more like three, and then there's two roster spots that I know I need to find some quarterbacks along the way. I need to have at least four or five options most weeks is what's optimal, but it doesn't have to be filled off the rip. I do not have to have five top 24 quarterbacks. Because most likely, if you try to do that in a stardom, it's going to be at the detriment of the other positions. So you're going to be stuck one way or the other. It's very hard in a startup to roster construct perfectly to where you feel good about all four positions. So keep that in mind. Three quarterbacks is what I would really look at for my base with the ultimate goal of week to week, optimal being five. So after we've covered quarterbacks, we have five tight ends. We have seven running backs. We have five quarterbacks. For those non-math majors out there, 
That is 17 roster spots down. So you already know the magic number at wide receiver. It's a lot. 13. And it may be higher than 13 in the offseason, because what do we have? Maybe we don't have five quarterbacks. Maybe we don't have seven running backs. So maybe in the offseason, that 13 looks more like 16. And that's okay. There's a reason, and we'll talk about that in the next episode where we cover wide receivers, we look at the war, we look at the replacement value, and we talk through the roster construction. Uh, but with that, hopefully this was helpful. If you're interested in joining a best ball league, there's going to be some that are going to be firing up at Destination Devi. Uh, so message me, and I'll put you down on the list as somebody that's looking for a new best ball startup league, see if we can get you into one. Uh, and check out everything at DestinationDevi.com. Check out the website, join the Discord. Uh, please subscribe to all the podcast feeds, the wake up feed, the destination Debbie radio feed, the new news and notes uh, feed that Ray has put up. And then along with the YouTube channel, destination Debbie on YouTube, lots of great content on there. Ray's putting out multiple mock drafts every week. Uh, so stay tuned for more content like that. War games will be back. If you liked kind of going through this type of stuff, if you like the roster construction series, you're going to love war games. The first episode is out. It's kind of the intro episode. It's over an hour long. Uh, War Games Part 1. You can find it on the YouTube page. So check that out if you're interested and more to come on that. Uh, finally, Trades in 5. Our live stream will be back Tuesday nights, 8.30, uh, after I get back from the Senior Bowl. So I will not be on the stream uh, tomorrow night, uh, but I will be back after this starting in February. So check out everybody at Trades in 5. Uh, you get bonus Trades in 5 stuff in the Discord if you join. Um, with that, looking forward to the Senior Bowl. Hope everybody enjoys uh, the offseason, team building, roster construction, kind of going through and looking at things that already happened. Take this time to study. This is the time where you become a better dynasty player. This is the time where you understand some of the small things that really make a difference down the road. When you get into the season, and I'll just say this, during the season, it's very hard to learn stuff. It's very hard to zoom out and go, man, maybe I shouldn't have made that decision. Or maybe that was just an in-the-moment, two hours before a game type of decision that really wasn't all that smart. So take this time in the offseason. It's almost February already. Take this time to learn. This is where you learn to become a better dynasty player. And then you get into the season. It's just navigating the rat race of the week-to-week -week debacle that happens during the year. So take this time to learn. Study data, listen to other people that are smart, that are coming up with different strategies, become a better player. The time to learn is in the offseason. The time to build teams is in the offseason. The times to kind of stray from a lot of that is during the season where you're shooting for something every single week. And remember, Dynasty is usually a week-to-week -week game. So as much as we want to look at this big picture stuff, especially in best ball, you get to the season and it's very much a what does my construction look like for this given week. So hopefully everybody's enjoying this series. Again, check out all the stuff that I've mentioned at Destination Devi. We appreciate the support. Uh, and with that, I will go ahead and sign off for the week. Be chill. There's a rumor going down about me.